should say that um, at the family and ser- friend service, there's tea too. So if the ladies could help with the tea as well. Can we turn um, again in God's word at this stage to the book of Song of Solomon and to the first chapter of the Song of Solomon. And we're going to read from verse 1 of the chapter, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and beginning our reading at verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savour of thy good ointments, thy name is as an ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? If thou know not, O thou fairest among women, go thy way forth by the footsteps of the flock and feed the, thy kids beside the shepherd's tents. I have compared thee, O my love, to a company of horses in Pharaoh's chariots. Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We will make thee borders of gold and go with studs of silver. Where the king sitteth at his table, my spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breast. My beloved is unto me as a cluster of camphor in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair, thou hast dove's eyes. Behold, thou art fair, my beloved. Yea, pleasant also is, also, uh, yea, yea, pleasant also our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fir. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. Can we unite again the word of prayer? Our loving and our gracious Father, as we come to thee today, we do thank thee for the word of God. We thank thee for this uh, love story that depicts uh, the love of our Savior for his people. And we bless thee, Lord, that thou dost draw us uh, to thyself, thou dost run after us, And we bless thee for the fact that we have one who is our beloved and our friend. We thank thee for thy mercies to our hearts today. Shut us in with thyself, even as we look at these uh, pictures and as we look at the, uh, the great types that are given to us in thy word. We'd ask thee that even today we might be thrilled as we look to our Savior 
For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. The book of Song of Solomon, also known sometimes as the book of Canticles from the Latin version. The Hebrew version of the name is given there in the first verse, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And it has been written by Solomon. Not only are we told that in the verse there, but there's much internal evidence that shows us that Solomon indeed is the writer of this under the power of the Holy Ghost. And it's, the, it's a love story. It's the story of a young Shulamite maid or a, a Shulamite who is uh, married here, her sp- spouse, uh, her husband is here, and we find that there is a great love that there is between them. But when we look here, we find that this is a great picture that is given to us. We, uh, we see that this is a poem or a song, and we might ask ourselves why a poem or a song has found its way into the Word of God. And the answer to that is that the characters of the book don't really exist. The, the book is an allegory. It is a picture to us of the great love that our Savior has for us, the relationship between Jesus Christ and his people, which is often in the Bible spoken of as the relationship between a bride and her bridegroom. And so we find that there are wonderful pictures uh, of the relationship between Christ and his people. And it is one of the images that we have in the book that I want to take today. We read here in the verse 6, Look unto me, not upon me, because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me, my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. And it's the latter part of that verse that I want us to think about here. In the uh, direct context where it speaks about her not keeping her own vineyard, she's really speaking about her appearance. She's really speaking about her complexion. She's been out in the sun And she says, I'm black. She has been tanned by the sun. And in those days, and actually right up until recently, um, paleness was really the most beautiful thing. It's only in her own day where you go out and get a tan, and that uh, makes you uh, beautiful uh, if it's possible. But we find that um, in those days where you had a tan, it was an uh, indication that you're out in, the, uh, out in the open air working. And she says, well, I've been out in the vineyards. I've been keeping the vineyards of others, but my own vineyard have I not kept. And here is this woman. She is from the tribe of Dan, and she has been there, and she's been in the vineyards, and we find that she has not kept her own vineyard. She has not been looking after herself. And we think of those in our day and generation. And really what the lesson is, is beware of the barrenness of a busy life. You know, we can be out in other people's vineyards and we can be working and we can be laboring here and there. And we're not looking after ourselves and we're not looking after our own hearts. And we're not looking after our own spiritual welfare. And the question that comes to us today as we 
think about this portion of scripture is, have we been neglecting our own vineyard? Have we been neglecting our own hearts? Have we been uh, looking after and busy about other things and we haven't thought about the welfare of our souls? And that's the challenge that comes as we look at this portion of Scripture. Here's a woman, this Shulamite, and she has to admit and she has to say, they've made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. And I want us just to take those words today as a challenge to our hearts and to our souls. And there are a number of things in those words that I want you to see. First of all, you notice the responsibility that we have. It says, they have made me the keeper of the vineyards. So this lady, this woman, this Shulamite, had been given a duty, a responsibility. She had been uh, put in the place where she had been made keeper of the vineyard. And we, as God's people today, have our duty and responsibility. We are keepers of the Lord's vineyards. In his wonderful grace, he has saved us and washed us in his own precious blood. And we have a sphere of service. Now, some have a sphere of service in one way, and others have a different way of working and maybe a different responsibility. And uh, we have been given different talents. But nevertheless, each one of us have a responsibility as keepers of the Lord's vineyard. Now, as you look at her as the keeper of the vineyard, I want you to see the pressure that she's facing. She says, they made me, and she's referring to her siblings here, they made me the keeper of the vineyards. And the speaker has been made, she has been compelled. She says that they were angry with her and made her the keeper of the vineyard. So there's a sort of an untoward sense in which she had been made the keeper of the vineyard. Now, there's no untoward sense with the Lord, but we also have been made keeper of the vineyard. You think of how the Lord has chosen us. It says in John 15 and verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. So we have to obey that call. We have been given a responsibility, not that the Lord's angry with us. He's given us a privilege. He's given us an honor of being put into the vineyard of his labor. And we think of what Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And he says, the love of Christ is what makes him. He's constrained by the love of God to go into the vineyard. But the Shulamite bride here says, they made me, and as I say, in the context, she's speaking about her brethren. She's speaking about her siblings here. They made me. She says, my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyard. And it seems as if the siblings of this poor girl weren't willing to share with her in the keeping of the vineyard. Her siblings weren't helping her. You'll notice that there are vineyards, plural. So there's a number of vineyards that she is given the responsibility of, but she seems to be doing it alone. 
She seems to be doing it on her own here. And you know, oftentimes when we think about the work of the Lord, there are few that are involved. In a lot of congregations, and probably not in our own congregation, but nevertheless, it is often said about congregations that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's the norm. Maybe not in our own congregation. There are a lot of people that are involved. But you will find that a, a, a small number of people do a big proportion of the work and the labor. There are those that are involved in the Sunday school, those that are involved in the children's meeting, the junior youth, and the session, the committee in our own congregation. I suppose that's a lot of people. But nevertheless, I think that we can see the um, point is maybe still true that a smaller proportion of the people do a greater proportion of the work. And we can see how that this girl, she had been left to do the labor, and because she was doing it on her own, she was busy. Because there was nobody else to help her, she was un uh, unusually busy. And others had left her to do the work. In First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says that the body of Christ doesn't consist of one member, but many. And Peter makes it more explicit in 1 Peter 4 and 10. He says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And a well-organized church and a church that is functioning right is one where every member will serve, where every member will be involved, where every member will take a part and will be seeking to win the lost for the Lord Jesus Christ and do what they can, even in a practical way or maybe in uh, presenting the message of Christ in different ways, we will all be involved in seeking so that there are not those that are left to do the big bulk and they're overrun and they have no time to themselves and we find that this is what happened here with this Shulamite. Her brethren, her siblings, had left her to be the keeper of the vineyards. And so she was so busy. She was so busy that she wasn't keeping her own vineyard. We'll come to that in a wee minute. But not only do we see the pressure of the responsibility, but look at the particulars of the responsibility. The focus here, she's, she's a keeper of vineyards. Now, the uh, vineyard would have been a very common thing in the East in that day. It's not a bit wonder uh, that the vineyard is used as a picture, but it is a picture here. And you will find that in the Word of God, the picture or the type of the vineyard is very often used for the people of God and for the work of God. For example, in Isaiah chapter 5, we read the picture of the people of God, and it says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. And then it makes it explicit in verse 7. It says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And in a song of the vineyard, Isaiah recalls God's relationship to his people. He says of this vineyard that they're bringing forth uh, wild grapes, or they were, are bringing forth uh, sour grapes. 
and they are going to be punished. God's going to send in the Assyrian army in order to punish them and to make the vineyard ruin. But you can see the picture there. The vineyard is God's people, Israel, and Judah in that day. Psalm 80, verse 15, again makes the same uh, analogy. The vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself. And in verse 8 of Psalm 80, uh, God describes his people as a vine out of Egypt. So again, you can see that the vineyard is the people of God. In the New Testament, we have Matthew 21, where the Lord again speaks the parable, and it's a clear allegory. The landowner is, is God, the vineyard is Israel, God's special people, and so on. And then we think of John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So the picture is clear now that the vineyard is God's people, whether in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, because we are the uh, God, the Lord is the vine and we are the branches. We are part of the vine, which is the church. And so God has his vineyard. And what are we? We are keepers of the vineyard. He has pointed us to be keepers of his vineyard, to look after his church, to look after the things of God, to present the gospel, to be planters in the vineyard. We are to be those that seek to plant the seed of the word of God, and we are to be guard. We are to guard the vineyard to make sure that no uh, nothing that will enter in, that the enemy doesn't come in, seek to steal away the plants, or to ruin the vineyard, or to bring anything in that is untoward. And God has placed His ministers and His elders, in particular, as keepers of the vineyard, and we have that responsibility. And that prime responsibility. But it's not just the minister and the elders. It's the Sunday school teachers and the children's meetings workers and the youth workers and the Christian school teachers or whatever it may be. We are in, in, in uh, the vineyard of the Lord and we are working, we're tending the vines and we're seeking to do what we can. But it's more than that too because there are Christian families and mothers and fathers, and we're keepers of the vineyard, and we have to bring up our children or grandchildren or whatever it may be, and we have to teach them in the things of God. You're keepers in the domestic sphere as well. And we can think of so many other things. If God has placed you in an office, you're a keeper in the office. If God has placed you as a preacher, then you're his keeper in the pulpit. If God has commissioned you uh, to go out and work on the farm, then you are a keeper on the farm. Whatever it may be, God has commissioned you, wherever you may be, to minister his word and to do so in such a way as God will be uplifted and glorified. We are all laborers in the vineyard that God has placed us in. So we notice something of the particulars of our responsibility. But one more thing just before we move on, and that's the problem 
of our responsibility. Because to keep a vineyard, and the children of Israel would have known this, was an onerous thing. In the, you, you think of the rocky land that Israel is. They would have had to go and they would have had to dig out rocks and they would have had to lay the soil and then they would have had to plant the vines and they would have had to make sure that they were kept. Uh, oftentimes they would build watchtowers that would uh, watch for animals or for robbers, particularly at the time of harvest. There would have been weeding, there would have been watering, there would have been plowing, there would have been planting. There would have been all of these tasks to do in order to keep a vineyard. So those that were involved in looking after vineyards, it was not a job for anybody that was lazy. There was a lot of work to be done. And we think of this girl, and she is left to keep the vineyards, plural, and she is not lazy. She's involved in the work. She is uh, very busy here. She has a lot to be done and she's, uh, she can't leave the vineyard because in the few hours that she might leave it, the thieves may enter in. So this is a constant 24-hour-a-day job that she's involved in. And you can imagine that this is exhausting. This is something that is going to be very onerous upon her. And there is a busyness here, and there's going to be a weariness in what she's doing. You know, the Bible speaks about being weary in well-doing. And I'm sure that there are many times when we as God's people have felt weary in well-doing. We've been weary with the task, weary with uh, the responsibilities that we have. It's, it's, uh, not, uh, it's not easy being a children's worker or a Sunday school teacher, getting lessons every week and uh, making sure that everything's arranged and that there are people on the bus, and uh, even in uh, looking after the, the church building, um, do, do, making sure that the grass is cut and the heating's on, whatever it is. And at times, maybe you've become weary, weary in well-doing. And that's the picture of this girl here. She is, she's all of these vineyards, and maybe there's that sense of weariness that enters in. But not only do I want you to see the responsibility that we have, but look at the rest that we face. She says here, they have made me the keeper of the vineyards. But here's the risk. My own vineyard have I not kept. How very easy it is to serve the Lord zealously. How uh, easy it is to be in the midst of the work and neglect the personal need of our own heart. Maybe in the midst of looking after others and doing all the things that we need to do, we have forgotten about ourselves, forgotten about the inner life, the personal communion with the Lord himself, the study of his word, spending time in the place of prayer. How easy it is for the shoemaker's boy to be the poorest shod, and for the tailor's son to wear the shabbiest clothes. And that has been the case down through the ages. The, um, very often uh, you, you see where you go into the plumber's house and the plumbing's not right because he hasn't had time to look after his own part of the vineyard. And how sadly it is to be out 
is spreading the unsearchable riches of Christ and proclaiming the word of God and for our own personal walk with God to suffer. How possible it is to be in the children's work, in the Sunday school, in the committee, in the session, in the pulpit, and to become cold, to grow cold. We read in Titus 2 and 10, Paul says, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now he's speaking about adorning, putting on the doctrine of God. In other words, going out and, and being, and not only showing it or, or proclaiming it, but that it's part of you, that, that it's in your heart, that it is what you are. And we can't lift up others above the level that we ourselves are at. And if we neglect our spiritual life, it is going to cause all sorts of problems. And I want you to see the realization she comes to. She had a sudden realization here. My own vineyard. My own vineyard. Some, somehow, in the midst of all of her labor, she was looking after the vineyards. Suddenly she spies her own vineyard. And she recognized that the weeds have come and that the uh, briars have begun to grow. And she's taken a breather and she's just had a wee look and a glimpse at her own vineyard and she sees what's happening. And you know, sometimes it's good just to take a time to sit back and to see what is happening in her own hearts. George Muller of Bristol ran many orphanages in his day in the 19th century in Bristol, and he never asked for money. He always prayed it in. But he said that his first and most important duty of the day was to get his own soul happy in the Lord. And you know, we think of the world like the sea lapping against the ship, seeking to get any crack through which it can enter in and submerge the ship. And the answer to the constant pressure of the world is to make sure that we have the uh, blessing of God's seal upon us, that God has sealed us in. And maybe the last time we looked at a, our own spiritual condition, everything was fine. Everything looks good shape. And it's been a long time since we took stock and sat back. And maybe today, as we sit back and think about our own heart, we have to say, like the Shulamite here, mine own vineyard have I not kept. Maybe our own personal, private life. Maybe it's covered in weeds. Maybe it has been left in uh, abeyance. Maybe it has become something that we have not been keeping up. And the briars and the weeds have entered in. But not only do I want you to see the realization she comes to, but look at the reason she feels. What is it? Is it that she's deliberately gone out to sow weeds in her vineyard? Is it that she has suddenly decided to tumble down the wall that the uh, thieves and the foxes can enter in? Has she been experimenting with rewilding her soul or letting the, so the, the weeds grow? No, it's none of those things. Just neglect. Just neglect. She has, with the needful, uh, she has pushed out the most important thing 
in her life. We think of Mary, who uh, sat at Jesus' feet. You remember how Martha, her sister, got mad because she wasn't helping her with all of the busyness. And she said to the Lord, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone bitter? Therefore, that she help me. But you remember what the Lord said? It says, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. There was nothing wrong with what Mary was doing. She was laboring. She was busying herself with providing for the Lord. But the problem was that she had left aside the most needful thing, and that was to hear Christ, to be in his presence. And you know, we are so busy today, and we are so filled with many things that we push out the needful. The Lord says many times, be still and know that I am God. He says, now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord. Isn't there that time that we need to have to stand still and see where we're going and what we are doing? But there's one more thing I want you to see here. Here's the responsibility that we have and the risk that we face. But then I want you to notice the remedy that we, are, we apply. If we have not kept our vineyard, what do we need to do? Well, we need to start keeping it. There needs to be that recommitment. There needs to be that reconsecration to keeping the vineyard of the Lord. And what do we need to do? Well, what do you do if you keep a vineyard? Well, first of all, there needs to be pruning. You need to prune the branches. You need to get them into shape. You need to cut out the old dead bits, and you need to get the lively bits going. And we read in John 15 and verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And in the context, the Lord's talking about the visible church here. And surely he refers to the things that need to be pruned away from our lives. And the Lord's saying to the disciples, and he's saying to all of his people, there are things that need to be taken away. There needs to be things that need to be set apart we need to have a, a lifestyle that's going to bear spiritual fruit. And there needs to be things that are going to be cut out. And you notice the source of the pruning. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Who does that? The Lord. God takes it away. And if there's going to be pruning in our lives, it's going to be the Lord that will do it. And how often the Lord sends in the um, trials and the difficulties in order that we might be pruned. The Lord said, if thy right hand or if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So there are things that maybe we need to dispense with, those things that are hindering us. But look at how, who does it. It's the Lord. And we think about the severity of the pruning. Pruning is where he takes the knife or takes the secateurs, uh, more often the knife in those days, and he would cut it off. 
And the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he uh, receiveth. He trains us into righteousness. He cuts off the old sinful things. He cuts off the words and the deeds that would hinder us. He cuts them off by the trials and the difficulties. And oftentimes those trials and difficulties are only to make us strong. So there needs to be pruning. But secondly, if we're going to keep the vineyard, there needs to be purging. In John 15 and 2, he says, And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And the word purge there just means to cleanse. He's not talking now about the old dead branches, the old sinful things. He's speaking about the live branches. And sometimes they need to be cut off. And they need to be cut back. And we're talking things now, maybe not not things that are sinful in themselves, but things that are not expedient. Maybe like hobbies and things that are in our lives. And they're only taking up time. And the reason why we don't have enough time with the Lord, that, that, that there are needful things that are in our lives that we could use to be taken up with the Lord. They're not wrong things. They are, they're perfectly legitimate in their own right, but just that we're spending too much time on them. And maybe there are things that we could uh, tidy up. There are things that we could do better. There is that matter of time management. And the Lord says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And he goes on to speak about fleeing youthful lusts and avoiding foolish and unlearned questions and so on. But he says, just get rid of those things. Cleanse them from you. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There needs to be pruning and there needs to be purging if we're to keep our vineyard. And then there needs to be provision. Provision of nourishment, um, the fertilization of the soil. The soil needs to be fertilized as the same with our souls. We need to, as it were, spend time with the Lord. The Lord said in Matthew 6 and 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray unto thy Father which is in secret, And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And I wonder if we are spending time with the Lord and in touch with that nourishment that he gives to his people day by day. And the other thing that is needful if we're going to keep our vineyards is protection. We need to make sure that the little foxes don't come in. If you look at chapter 2 verse 15, he speaks about the little foxes. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. And there are the little foxes that come in. And it's not, foxes are destructive animals, and they could destroy valuable vineyards. And in ancient literature, while often animals are often used as, uh, to represent the problems um, in Egyptian love songs, They use crocodiles, but here we have the foxes. Uh, 
And they're the little foxes, the little things. How often it is not the big things that mar our fellowship with the Lord. It's the little things. It's the little things that we get caught up in. The little things that enter in. It's not big things. We're not uh, away down the road of backsliding, backsliding, but it's just the little things that we allow. The little things. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If there is no fruit, the problem's not the vine, for Jesus is the vine. The problem is not the gardener, because God is the gardener. The branch is not bearing fruit because the branch is not properly connected to the vine. That's the problem. If there are unhealthy branches, they need to be cut off. If there are things that uh, are marring our fellowship or taking the time that we could have fellowship with God, those things need to be purged. The Lord Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. And he means stay connected. Stay in that connection with me. And that's got to be the testimony of every child of God day by day. We lament the lack of fruit that are in our lives. We lament the lack of fruit that is around us. And the lack's not in God, and the lack's not in the Lord Jesus Christ. The lack is in us. We have been made keepers of vineyards, but perhaps we've got to say, my own vineyard have I not kept. And we need to get into that place of pruning and purging and providing and protection where our vineyards are brought into that place where they're able to flourish and bring forth much fruit. Oh, may God give us much fruit in these days for his name's sake. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts. And Lord, we have heard how this woman should be made the keeper of vineyards, and yet her own vineyard she had not kept. And Lord, we have to confess in many ways we're in the same position. Lord, we recognize we can be so busy and there are so many busy things today, and Lord, we are bombarded in every hand, and we're connected all the time, and we get the news instantly to our phones and to our devices, and yet, Lord, we are so filled with so much information, and yet, Lord, how little we spend time with Thee. Forgive us of our sins, Wash us in the precious blood of the Lamb. And, O oh God, we may be keepers of our own vineyards, even in these incoming days, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we could um, sing the hymn 478 in closing, please. Saviour, thy dying love thou gavest me, nor should I ought withhold my Lord from thee, in love my soul would bow, my heart fulfill its vow, some offering 
bring thee now something for thee. The hymn 478, and we'll stand please as we sing. gracious Father in heaven, may indeed we be something for thee. Bless thy word and take us to our homes in safety now. Watch over us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 